today's daf is Babakama daf Kuf Yud Zayin. We are holding on daf Kuf Tezayin and Beis. We are at the Mishnah. The Mishnah is going to talk about if someone steals a field and then someone else comes and takes it from that person. So can you just tell the first fellow, good luck getting it back from the other guy. It's your problem, not my problem. Or do we say that he has to re- still reimburse the person that he stole the field from, even though it has since been taken from him? The Gemara is then going to discuss whether we learn Dine Knasos uh, to apply elsewhere. If you have a din knas in one place, do we say, oh, if the rabbanon penalized the person in situation A, then mistama the penalty applies in situation B as well. The Gemara is also going to discuss when you're chayiv for either showing or giving your friend's property to uh, to, to anasin, meaning if there are people that are uh, confiscating property, this is what we call, commonly called mesira, not the mesira of the person, but the mesira of the property that you say, oh, you, you want to get some nice things, go over there, my friend has it, and then they're going to go, and they're going to pillage all your friend's uh, items so, or fields, or whatever it might be so when do you have to pay for that, and when do we say that it's too indirect and that a person is not going to have to pay for it and then the Gemara is going to spend a lot of time discussing the remarkable story of Rav Kahana's move to Eretz Yisrael it's a truly remarkable story that begins with a Moser and that's why it's uh, that's why it appears over here, Baba Kamadav Kuf Zayin, and after that the Gemara is going to discuss whether Mesira is chayiv for garmi or not. Meaning, do we say that it's a din garmi and therefore you chayiv to pay if you uh, if you master someone else's property? And then we're going to have three stories of people saving themselves with other people's money. So matzilatzmo b'momen chavero is a critical sugya that comes up in the middle of Amid Beis. And right before the Mishnah, there are going to be three alachos about chayiv mamon for a uh, for a rodef. So that's uh, that's the, those are the basic topics of. Uh, to, well, then, then we have the Mishnah on Amid Beis. If we get to it, if a river is coming and uh, and about to flood something out, so can you just say Harish Your your items are about to get flooded. Good luck in uh, retrieving them. But to what extent do you have an obligation to uh, to reimburse a person if you've taken his items, even though they were about to get flooded out by some sort of natural disaster? So let's see the Mishnah on Daf a person steals a field from his friend and masikin, strong men come and take it if this is something that's happening all over the place it was not some, anything personal to the fellow who, uh, who was taken from it's a problem that's been happening in the entire Medina the Ganav can tell the person he stole the, the, the Gazan can tell the Nigzal your field, your field is right there for the taking if you can get the Masikin out of it then that's fine by me but I don't have any further responsibility to you because just like it was taken from me it would have been taken from you these people are taking everybody's fields but but if they took because they want, they were targeting this Gazlan and they thought that it was this Gazlan's field and that's why these fellows uh, came and took the field then you need to provide him with another field it's not enough to say First, the Gemara is going to pick on a, a, a technicality. What is this word masikin? Does masikin, do we, do we have that word? Is that a mispronunciation? So the Gemara says there are two versions of our Mishnah. One version had masikin, the other version had mat, uh, matsikin. So it says Gemara, Rav Nachmari, masikin lo mishtabesh, umandatani matsikin lo mishtabesh. If you have the word masikin, it is not an error, and if you have the word matsikin, it's not an error. Both of those might 
can't be referring to thugs who go and take away property. The one that says Matsikin was not mistaken because it says Bimatsarov Matsok. The Psukim in, for today's Daf Yomi coincidence, Psukim in the Tochacha, and this was yesterday's Daf. The Psukim in the Tochacha talk about Bimatsarov Matsok. Matsok means that they can be sieged and pressed, and so these are people who go and they seize other people's properties. And the Targum on that is that the plunderers will inherit. So uh, again, we see that it relates to plunderers and people coming and, uh, and taking something. Just like the Tzlatzal, uh, Rashi says, is the Arbe, uh, goes and takes people's grain by eating up people's grain. So there are people that do the same thing, that go and take other people's items, that go and take other people's property, and that is uh, that that is why they're referred to as uh, masikin because of uh, the the targum of sakaa. But getting to the halacha in the Mishnah, the Mishnah had said that if the Gazlan had the field taken away from him because they were targeting him, they were targeting the Gazlan, then the Gazlan is chayef to pay for it. Hey, Chidami, what exactly is the case? If you're going to say that the case is that he was the only one whose fields were taken away, and uh, that's why we're pretty confident that he, it was a targeted confiscation. Well, Hamirashi. Uh, we already know that from the Reisha, because the Reisha had already said that if it was a Makas Medina, he could say a Reisha where we could make the very simple di- diuk in Makas Medina in and Ilo Lo. Strange, I don't know what the, 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 the Imakas Medina is that Imakas Medina, that then he can say a Reisha so only if it's Makas Medina he can say a Reisha So it's already obvious from the Reisha that if all they took was this one person's property, then obviously they, uh, he cannot say Reisha l'chalafanecha. So that can't be the Chiddush of the Seifa if we could have derived it from the Reisha. Says Marlotzricha, The case is, he didn't even steal the field himself. He heard from that the Beis HaMelech was looking to steal fields, and he said, oh look, look over there, that guy has fields. So that's what made him a Gazlan. He wasn't a Gazlan in the conventional sense, where he went and he stole the field. He was saying that, so he, he pointed them in the direction of the field, and that's what we're saying. That uh, that he's that's what Machmas Hagazlan means. That's the case that he's going to be chayiv. If you look at Tosos Mishum Dina de Garmi, even though it's only indirect. He's chayiv for garmi. The Gemara is going to say later on that those who are in dina de garmi, those who say that one is chayiv to pay when the damage is in, in, in the indirect category called garmi, derive their shita from our Mishnah. So our Mishnah, the, the, what's driving our Mishnah, has to be garmi. But says to us, I have a problem. This is not 
the first time in Baba Kama we've had a sugya about Dina Degarmi. And when we said Rabbi Meir is done Dina Degarmi, we went searching for a source for that. Where do we find a Mishnah that follows Rabbi Meir? And we didn't suggest a simple uh, answer that our Mishnah is, a, is an example of Dain Dina Degarmi. If our Mishnah is really the prototype for Dain Dina Degarmi, why wasn't it used in that sugya? Maybe it's because it's far from explicit in our Mishnah. How do we know that our Mishnah is talking about a case where it was Garmi? Because we had a diuk from the Reisha. That if it's Machmas Medina, if it's a Makas Medina, you could say Reisha Lechal Venecha. Also, we could be Medayik, that anything short of that, you can't say Reisha Lechal Venecha. So it must be that in the Seifa, the case is he didn't even steal it, and it was just Achli Achliye. We never would have figured that out on our own. That's very difficult to see in the Mishnah itself. So therefore, we try not to use it as the source for Garmi, even though in reality it probably is a source for Garmi. Lishna Achrina, another possible, possible way of understanding our Mishnah. A guy came and he said, Show me your land. And he not only showed his own land, he showed this land together with his land. So that's what he's going to be chayef for. So again, he didn't take it be a daim, he let the, 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 the gazlan take it. There was a person who showed the storage house of wheat of the Reish Kalusa to, uh, to somebody else to go take. They came to Rav Nachman for Dintar. Rav Nachman says, you chayef to pay. Dina or Knasa? So he asked him, is this a din or is this a knas? Meaning, is this min din that he's really chayef to pay? Or are you penalizing him? Are you punishing him? It's our Mishnah. That if it's Machmas Agazan, you need to give him back another field. And we said that our Mishnah is talking about a case where you didn't take it via daim, all you did is you showed the field. So you see, it's exactly the same thing. So it's obviously a din, it's not just a knas. After he left, why would it matter whether it's a dinner or a kanas? I mean, it's a strange question to ask whether it was a dinner or a kanas. What difference would it make? Amalei said, oh, very simply, if it's, a, if it's a din, then we could derive from there to other places. But if it's a kanas, then we can't derive from there to other places. This isn't meikra din, it was a punishment in this situation, and maybe the punishment doesn't, does not apply equally in other situations. As Rashi writes, If it's a din, then we could say, oh, so we see that garmi is always going to be chayiv. But if it's a knas, so who the kansi Rav Nachman mishum deragilay bekach lo garminuminai? Why would Rav Nachman have imposed a knas in this case? Maybe this guy was making a habit of doing things like this. He was going around always showing uh, these uh, these bandits and these thugs and uh, government officials property that belonged to other people. So because he was making a habit out of it, in this one case, Rav Nachman decided to punish the fellow. But that doesn't mean that every case where you have a garmi that we're going to. Uh, that we're going to punish a person. So therefore, it's, uh, that, 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 that's, the, that, that's a valid nafkamina, uh, whether it's knas or whether it's mamun. So, frak the Gemara, is it a valid nafkamina? How are we so sure? Where do we know?
know that you cannot derive something from a knas, that just because something is a knas, we do not derive uh, to other places. Ditanya, Barishona Yu Omrim, the Brysa says, you know, initially they used to say, Hametame Vahamanasech, that someone is Metame his friend's taros. He goes and he takes his friend's taros and he, he doesn't do any physical damage to them, but he takes a sherets and puts it all over them, he's Metame them. Or he takes his friend's yayin, doesn't do any physical damage to it, but is Menasech the yayin for Avodazara. So he has rendered them useless, but he has not done any hezek that's, uh, that's nicker at all. And then, so he's going to be chayv to pay for that. He has to pay for it. And then Chazrulomer Afamidamea. They came back later, at a later date, and they said not only those types of hezek shayna nicker, even if you mix his truma with chulin, in a way that it's not batal, in a way, a mixture of less than one in a hundred. So that's also, it's just another example of hezek shayna nicker. Why wasn't it included in the first time? Meaning, if you could, if, if you could derive from a knas, then it automatically should have been included. That if metameh amenaseich, you're going to be chayiv. Why would metameh be any different? Chazru in, lo chazru lo. But we see that the only reason metameh ever became asr was because they came back to it and made a separate takana about it. My time, alav mishum de knasu, knasu lo So it sounds like that it would not have been asr automatically. Isn't the reason that it would not have been asr automatically because it's a knas and you cannot derive from a knas? So isn't this therefore a raya that just because something that 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 when something is a knas, it's only applied in that one limited circumstance where the knas applies, but we don't apply it anywhere anywhere else. And uh, but but you would still need to explain why they only made the gzera in the first place. Meaning that yes, enochinami. Let's say for now, before we see the next line of the gemara, that that's a raya that you cannot derive anything from a knas. But still, historically speaking, we're saying that there came a point where Rabbanim got together and they decided we're going to make a knas and someone who's mitame and menasech other people's property. But you know what? We'll leave alone the, the people who are mitameya other people's truma. Why would they do that? Why would they, uh, why would they not have made the initial takana on mitameya also? So that Tosos relates to Tosos and Tosos. Before we get to the Gemara's explanation of why it's different, Tosos you have to realize why knasos happen. They normally happened as a reaction to something. Just like we mentioned before, that sometimes we, we, we were thought maybe Rav Nachman made this, uh, this knas because he saw that this guy was in the habit of uh, mastering other people's property. So they were reacting to it. That's the Maisa Shahaya. So that's where they made the knas. So if they saw that there was a Menasich problem and a Metame problem, that people who wanted to get back at, uh, at, at, at people who had wronged them, they were going around being Metame and Menasich, everybody's property. So they made the knas and that. They hadn't yet thought of the Chap, of, the, of being Medamea, other people's property, so they didn't make a knas on that. Says Gemara, no, anyway, there's a good reason why Medamea would not have been included, even if you can derive halachos from a knas, there's still a good reason why, why Medamea would not have been included. Because initially the, the thinking was that we're worried about Hafsin Merubah, and that it's worth making a knas for. If we render something useless, you take someone's taros, his truma, you make it tame, useless. You take his, uh, his yayin, your menasichid, asrba, no, useless. So that's a major loss. Midamea, what happens? So there's truma mixing with chulim. It's all tahar. 
So a Kohen has to eat it instead of uh, Yisrael eating it. Not useless, right? You could sell, you could sell the whole thing to a Kohen minus the Dmei Truma Shabo. So uh, that's only a Hafsid Muat. So that's what the thinking was, that they weren't so Choshesh for Hafsid Muat of Midamea. Ulbasov Savi left in Muat Nami And then at a later time, they said we'll be Choshesh for Hafsid Muat. Says but still have another Raya. Aini Vatani Avod Rabbi Avin. The Avod Rabbi Avin taught a Brisa which said it slightly differently. That Parishon Ayom Rahamitame Vimidamea. That initially they said that only Mitame Midamea is going to have to pay, but then Chazru Lo Merafa Menasech, and then only later they included a Menasech Chazru in Lo Chazru Lo. Again, the same uh, idea that why wasn't Menasech automatically included? It must be because My Time Alav Mishum Miknasa. It must be because we cannot derive from a Knasa, even though logically there's no reason to distinguish between a Menasech on, on the one hand versus a Mitame and a Midamea. On the other hand, but uh, but 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 we we can't make that extension on our own because it's a knas and you're not allowed to derive things from a knas. Isn't this a raya that we're not allowed to derive things from a knas? Says Marlo, not a raya at all. Initially, the thinking was like Rabbi Yavin, and then ultimately they came around to Rabbi Yirmiyah's point of view. What's that about? Show. Initially, they held like Rabbi Oven that if on Shabbos a person shoots an arrow from Tchilas uh, Arbat so far, so he shoots an arrow for Amos and Rishus Rabbim, for which he's going to be Chayiv Hotzaa. Hotzaa involves either taking from Rishus Yachid to Rishus Rabbim, Rishus Rabbim to Rishus Yachid, or Dalad Amos in Rishus Rabbim. And along the way, within those four Amos, the arrow ripped through someone's clothing. So Rabbi Oven says that you're going to be potted to pay for the clothing because the whole action is considered one long action, and you're Chayiv Misa for that action because it's a Chil Shabbos. Come lay bidrabim, and he tells us you're not going to be chayiv mamon for the same. Action. So the same thing over here. When it comes to menasech, what are you doing? You're being menasech yain. You know what? You don't have to pay. Not because of knasos, learning from knasos, uh, indirect, no, none of that. Of course you would have had to pay. But you're chayv misa, because you're, you're serving avodazara by being menasech yain avodazara. But eventually when they decided you do have to pay, it's because they changed their mind of how to view a prolonged action for which you're chayv misa. Rabbi Yirmiya holds that when you pick something up, you've already been kona it. So you're right then and there. Freeze the, the picture. You're right there. You pick up the guy's wine. You've already been kona it before you were ever menasech. So right then, you're the mamon. Then, when do you become chayiv misa? Only when you pour the yayin. So that's why you're going to be chayiv. Uh, ultimately, that's why they decide you're going to be chayiv. But in a can be derived from each other. Rav Unabar Yehuda went to Avyone and he went in front of Rava and he asked him, Any good shilas recently? Well, I had an interesting case of a Moser where a guy showed an Ovid Kuchavim, someone else's property, Vichyavtiv, and I was Mechayavim to pay. Amrlai says, Ooh, uh, you may want to go and give back the money because that's not correct. 
Potter. If a Novid Chavim is pressuring Yisrael and he shows someone else's property, he does not have to pay. If he physically takes it with his own hands, then he's going to be Chayiv. That if he, uh, on his own, unprompted, decides to show it without an onus, without anyone pressuring him, that's the same as Nasan Nasan Biyad. That's the same as picking it up himself physically, and he's going to be Chayiv. That there was an Akum that was uh, pressuring uh, Yisrael and, uh, and, and he showed the wine of Rav Mari, Braid Rav Pinchas, Braid Rav Chista and said, here, go take that. So he said, uh, he said, come help me schlep the wine. The Anna said, you're showing me that wine. It's a lot of wine. I can't schlep it myself. Come help me. So he went and he helped him schlep it. Ravashi says he's potter. But I thought if you physically pick it up, you didn't only show it to the Akum, you physically pick it up, you're going to be chayiv. That's only if he didn't already have designs on that, uh, on that item. But when the Ovid Kachavim already had decided that he's taking that item, the fact that he's just asking you to help it, it's as if once he's decided, it's as if it's gone. So this is already destroyed, it's already not here. So now you're just helping him schlep empty boxes. That's the way we view the, the schlepping at that point. If an Anas says, go give me that uh, fruit that belongs to someone else, or whatever the, the item might be, you're going to be chayiv because you're picking it up. I, but I thought we just said that once he, the guy has decided what he wants, you're not going to be chayiv even if you physically help out because once he's decided what he wants, it's as if it's gone already. The case over there must be that the guy didn't have access to it. He needed you to pick it up in order for him to get it. The common phrase of Trey Avrinara that we use in the context normally of Lifneiver, that he simply couldn't have done it on his own. So then you're going to be Chayiv. Dekanami, and it's Maduik this way, Dekatani Hoshit, Velotani Tain. He says, Pass that over to me instead of give. Give would imply that you're right next to me and I can take it too. Pass that over to me implies that I can't reach it. You're on the other side of a river. I want you to get it over the river to me. So Shmami knows. That's why we see that. That's why he's chayiv in that particular case. Hushusa there was a uh, certain machmoris for dagim or chayos, Rashi says, that, uh, that people were fighting about. One guy says it's mine, the other one says it's mine. One of them came and gave it over to the king, to the king's officials. Sabai says he doesn't have to pay anything because he could say, yes, I did give it over to the king's officials because it was mine. And I was authorized to do so. Can you do that? Can you just give things over to the king's officials and then go claiming it was yours and that's, that's enough? We put him in a shanta until he gets it back and he faces a proper dintora to decide whose it really is. You can't just end the dintora by, uh, by giving it to, uh, to, to the Ovedi Chavim. A fellow wanted to show to Ovedi Chavim someone else's items. 
said, no, don't do it. He says, I'm going to do it. So Rav Kana was right there, so he broke the guy's uh, neck. He killed the, he killed the fellow because after being warned, don't be, don't master, don't master, he was going to master anyway. So he broke his neck, he killed him. So this is the beginning of the remarkable story of Rav Kahana. So Kari Ravi Lavei, Panecha Ulfu, Shachvu Barosh Kolchutsos, Kitom Michmar, Matovzeh, Kivan Nafal, Bimichmar, Einmarach Menalav, just like this ox, once a wild ox, once it falls in a trap, no one has Rachmanus on it. Af moment shall Yisrael kibin shenafel yalav dechavim ein merachmanalav. So too, uh, a, a, uh, the the moment of a Jew, once it falls in the hands of avdi chavim, so uh, there's, uh, there's 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 no uh, there's no Rachmanus anymore. The Rambam passing a very strange thing. Rav kind of killed the human being. He killed the person because he mastered uh, money. So the Rambam passing mutter that it's mutter to kill a master even bismanazeh. But uh, the once he already mastered the Shulcharach Pas and Shinpei Ches Yiralif, that you're not allowed to kill him. It's just like a rodef that while he's still being rodef, you're allowed to kill him. Meaning and that was the case by Rav Kana. He said, "I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it." So before he had a chance to do it, so they killed him in order to prevent him from doing it. The Rama writes that if he was Moser Pam Pam, then you could kill him Ali de Grama. That uh, they lock him somewhere and let him let him die. If we see that he keeps on mastering one time after after the next. The Shach uh, quotes from Shuvas Harash that Grama is Ali Shliach Goy. That would be an example of Grama to hire a hitman. And the Marshal is Cholik because uh, by Akum we say there's Yeshliach Ladvaravir Lachumra. So maybe that wouldn't be called Grama because he's Yeshliach Shlichos Halim Kamoso, even though he's a Goy, because we say that there's Yeshlichos for a Goy Lachumra. That's how some of the Rishonim understand the Yisra of Amir Lachum and Shabbos is that Yeshlichos uh, to Akum Lachumra, that we consider it like a din of Shlichos. Rabbi Kiveger quotes from Shuvas Space Yaakov. That by a guy we don't say Devarav, Devaratama, Devarimishomin, so that's why there's Yeshliach Ludvaravera. But uh, there, there was this tradition that someone goes around mastering that they were allowed to kill him. And this was something that was uh, understood to be true till, till much later in history than, than would probably make most of us comfortable. But uh, anyway, so the, the story continues. He says, up until now, the people, the, the government that was in charge, were the Parsai who weren't who didn't care so much if, uh, if if Jews killed each other, but now we we have the Greeks and they're they they care about shvichos dam. So I'm going to be in serious legal trouble for killing this guy. Va'amri mardin mardin kum sakla aradi Yisrael ve'kabel alach daltikshi l'Rav Yochman Shavashnin. So he advised him. I'll tell you what. You should go make aliyah. Go move to Eretz Yisrael. Run away to Eretz Yisrael. Just be makabel on yourself. Rav Yochman is going to be giving shir shir in Eretz Yisrael. He's he's the one that's teaching Torah there. Don't ask him any questions for seven years. That will be your punishment that you uh, that, that you're silenced for seven years. He came to Tzol and he saw Reish Lakish was just finishing up saying Shir. Amalu Reish Lakish Hecha. So he said, where's Reish Lakish? I want to find Reish Lakish. Amalei Amai. They said, why do you want to find Reish Lakish? What business do you have with Reish Lakish? Amalu Haikushiv Haikushiv Haipiruka Haipiruka. He said, well, I have this kasha on something he said. I have that kasha on something he said. So uh, I have all sorts of issues. Amalei Reish Lakish. So they told Reish Lakish. Amalei Reish Lakish. Amalei Rabbi Yochanan. Ari Olam Ibavel. La'ain Marbe. Masiftadil Machar. Said, someone better warn Rabbi Yochanan that an Ari came from Bavel. That someone who's very strong in learning came from Bavel. He better prepare Shir well tomorrow and be ready for some 
some very strong questions because this guy seems to really know what he's talking about. This Rav Kahana. The next day, hearing about his reputation and reputation alone, they sat him in the first row in the first Kamei de Rabbi Yochanan in Rabbi Yochanan's shear room. And the way they used to sit is they arranged the students based on how strong they were in learning. So the first row meant you were really, really good. So Rabbi Yochanan said something. He didn't ask anything. Again, didn't ask anything. And he kept on being demoted until he was in the last row, in the seventh row. This uh, lion in learning is turned into a tame little fox. He's not. Uh, he's no. He's no lion. So Rav Kana says, "Let the seven rows that I've been demoted be a uh, be be like seven uh, the seven years that I accepted not to ask any questions. So I've already uh, I've already served the full time of my penalty." Kamakare, he got up on his feet. Amalei nahadimar bereshi. Said Rabbi Yochanan, would you mind repeating the shear from the beginning? So Amr Shmaitzav Akshi. So he said his first teaching, and right away he asked the kasha on it. Ukmi bedarakama, and they put him in uh, the front row. Amr Shmaitzav Akshi. Again, he said uh, the second teaching, he asked the kasha. Rabbi Yochanan v'yasav al-shava bastarki. Rabbi Yochanan happened to have been sitting on seven cushions when he was saying the shear. Shalfli chada bastarka mitusei. Each time another question was asked, he took another cushion out from underneath him to make himself less comfortable because he couldn't answer any of these questions. Rabbi Yochanan ended up sitting on the ground. Rabbi Yochanan was an old man and his, eye, his eyelashes were very, uh, very long and heavy and he couldn't open his own eyes by himself. Rabbi Yochanan, we have this uh, strange combination of uh, details that we know about Rabbi Yochanan's physical appearance. We know that he was extremely obese, we know that he had these gigantic eyelashes, and we also know that he was the most beautiful person in the world. So how to reconcile all of it, I'm not exactly sure, but the Gemara tells us in Sechas Brachos, Davchav, I think, Rabbi Yochanan used to sit Ashare Tvila. He would sit by the gates of the Tvila where women would come out of the mikvah that they should see Rabbi Yochanan. And then the, the assumption was that the first thing you see after coming out of the mikvah has an effect on what uh, has an effect on, on what the children are going to be like for that are going to be conceived that night. So seeing Rabbi Yochanan would have a positive impact that the children are going to be more like Rabbi Yochanan. So the question that they ask, they, they, the Bach already points out, don't be bothered, how could Rabbi Yochanan sit by the Shari Tevila, what kind of lack of sneers? He's going to see all the women. You know, uh, every once in a while, one of my Talmud will call, will call me, I'm going to the Tovel Caleb now, I'm like, it's, it's night time. You, you, you probably should not be hanging around the mikvah. They have no idea, they don't know. You know, but you're not supposed to be around the Shari Tevila at night time when uh, women are coming in and out. You're not supposed to know about these things. So uh, so, so the, that's what the Bach explains. That no, it's okay, because Rabbi Yochanan didn't see anything anyway. Because, his, because of, of what the Gemara says over here, because of his, uh, of his eyelashes. Someone once asked me that they had in one of the mikvahs for security, they had a, uh, a non-Jewish security guard. So he said, is that, like, is that problematic? Because the first thing you're supposed to see when you come out of the mikvah is supposed to be Kadosh Vitar, and there they saw Stama non-Jewish security guards. Ah, problematic. It's uh, probably they, they need to have uh, security. I'm so they saw the mikvah lady first or whatever. But uh, but but you, you, the the uh, Rabbi Yochanan apparently would have been advantageous as a security. Well, he would have been a terrible security guard, but it uh, would have been advantageous to have, to have uh, seen him first. So Amalu Daluli Eni. So he said, pick up my my eyelid, my eyelids so that I could see. I mean, I want to see this Talmud. 
Chalta de Kaspa, they had these silver uh, tools that they used to pick up his eyelids, Chazid de Parte Safase, and he saw that Rav Kana had a problem with his lip, but it made it look like that he was smiling all the time. Savar uh, he, he thought that Rav Kana was laughing at him, that look how he outsmarted Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan got upset, and right away Rav Kahana died, because he caused Rabbi Yochanan to be upset. The next day Rabbi Yochanan was saying to everyone, you believe that guy? He comes here and he laughs at me and he mocks me. And they're like, well, actually, that's not exactly what happened. He has this problem with his lip. And that's why he appeared that way, but he wasn't laughing at anything. So he went to the cave where Afkana was buried. He saw that there was a snake all uh, around him protecting him. He said, snake, snake, take, open up your mouth so that your tail will come out of your mouth and you'll open up a door so that I'll be able to come through because I'm a Rebbe going to visit his Talmud. The snake would not open up. He didn't see any Rebbe going to visit a Talmud. He said, okay, you're right. I'm not really a Rebbe. For a it's a Chaver visiting another Chaver. And he wouldn't open up his mouth. Let a Talmud go visit his Rebbe. So And then the snake opened up because he said, now you understand the relationship properly. You see how Rav Kahana was, uh, was, 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 was so brilliant in Torah. So he davened and he did Chiyas HaMesim. He said, you know, if I would have known that it's, uh, that, 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 uh, that, that that's the way you, you, uh, that you look in general, and that you weren't laughing at me, I wouldn't have gotten upset. And, you know, it's not that Rabbi Yochanan killed him. He didn't kill him, but he got upset. And because he got upset, the Rabbi Yochanan punished him. So I wouldn't have gotten upset. So at least now come back to us. If you're able to daven that I won't die again, then I'm coming. I'm going to come with you. That if I ask another question, uh, you know, and I'll come with you to the base medrash, that I'm not going to die again. Then then I'll come. Otherwise, I'm not. Once the time passed, it was too late. The Rashi says, You know, I already went through this experience of tsar misa. I'd rather not have to go this, through this experience of Tsar Misa again, so just leave me be. I'm not going to come back, not interested in having uh, that Tsar Misa again. So he went and he, uh, he, he woke him up from his, from his sleep and he asked him all the questions that he had um, and he answered them and that's what Rabbi Yochanan used to say that, uh, that, that I used to say the Torah belonged to the Bnei Eretz Yisrael that the Bnei Eretz Yisrael was stronger in learning but now I'm discovering that in fact the Bnei Bavel are strong in learning the Radvaz writes in the Tshuva in Chelek uh, Gimel, Simen Tafai in Beis, that they say in Sifrei Chachma that when a person is miskavin al Rabo, minosin elavas libo, that he connects to the Rebbe in a certain way when he focuses on the Rebbe, and that will create a nefesh yisera. It's what we call. Uh, he, he gives it a name. He says very necha morecha that a person should feel connected to his uh, to his Rebbe. Rabbeinu Hakadosh, if you would see uh, the face of Rav, he would re- he would reach a madrega elyona. He would reach a, a higher level. And certainly, if a person is miskavin 
Yavin Vikarazel Zeh, and he uh, directly relates to the Talmud, so it reaches a higher level. So he quotes as one of the Marmakamos, our Gemara, that Rabbi Yochman wanted to see him. Why, why does it matter so much that he sees him? Because it creates a certain connection, meaning uh, it's, it's, it's good to learn Torah in whatever, whichever which way. You, you learn the Rebbe Sefer, you hear uh, Shirim online or whatever, but uh, being able to connect with someone, to be able to see a person, and all you in creates a, a different level of, uh, of connection. He said that the, the Marsha writes in our Gemara that it doesn't mean that he said to, he, wants to, he wants to see to punish him with uh, looking at him. It's not what it means. It means he wanted to see to connect to this great, uh, this great sage that was sitting in front of him. So that was the um, that that was the the idea over over here of trying to connect in that way. There was a person that showed a, an anus, a, 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 a guy, the a silver goblet of, of, of uh, Rabbi Abba, and said, oh, you're looking to collect money from the Jewish people? Here, take that. They wanted to be from the fact that the Mishnah says, if a person is done uh, in Torah and he and, and, and he paskins incorrectly in the Din Torah, what's done is done I mean you can't make the fellow that, uh, that that got off to have to pay now or the fellow that wrongfully uh, got paid to have to, to have to pay back but the Dayan should be Mishalimi Beso the Dayan should reimburse the parties from his own money the Rav says just like Mesira that it's only when it's Nasim and Nasim Biyad over here also it's only if it's Nasim and Go to uh, the, the two rabbis who think that you have to pay even for Dina de Garmi. And he went to them and they said, You're Chayiv, based on our Mishnah. Forget about Nasim and Nasim. You don't need Nasim and Nasim Biyad. It's Garmi and you're Chayiv for Garmi, just like our Mishnah said. That we said that our Mishnah is talking about what does it mean, that it gets taken away. Sagazlan that he's gonna have to pay for it. If he showed it to somebody, showing it to somebody is enough. To be Mikhaivim. So now the Gemara tells three stories of people saving themselves with other people's money. Someone had a picadon of a silver cup, and Ganavim came to attack, and he took that cup that he was watching for someone else, and he said, Here, take this. They came to Rabbah, he said, Potter. Isn't he saving himself with someone else's money? Shouldn't he have to pay for that? It really depends. If the Shomer himself is a rich man, they were coming to after his stuff because they knew that he was a wealthy man. And then we assume that he, uh, that he, that he did this on his own, he's going to have to pay for that. But if he's not a rich man, he's not an Ashir, so then we assume that it's, uh, that it's a Daita de Kaspa. They came because they saw that silver goblet and that's what they were interested in, so then he's not going to have to pay for it. The second story, they gave him as a 
Pikadon to watch the, the, the money bag that they had collected for Pidyon Shvuyim. Sliku Ganvi Ilave, Shakli Yavane Alayu. Ganavim came after him and he said, Oh, you, you know, want something? And he gives them the bag of money that they had designated for Pidyon Shvuyim. Asil Kamed the Rava, Patre. They came to Rava to ask, or the Gir says, Rabba, and he patted them. Amale Abaye, but isn't he saving his, uh, himself with someone else's money? This is Pidyon Shvuyim money. Why is he allowed to go use it to save his own skin? Is there a bigger Pidyon Shvuyim than that? He's a Shavoy now because they're going to they're, they're gonna beat him up. So he so, says, so, 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 Even though it sounds like he was a rich guy, it's called Pidyon Shvuyim, even if he happens to be a rich guy, if he doesn't have money on hand to pay them off to not to not take take him. So that's still considered Pidyon Shvuyim because right now he's poor if he doesn't have access to his money. Third story, there was a guy that brought his donkey onto a boat before people boarded the boat. And then the donkey started going crazy on the boat and it was going to sink the whole boat because he was jumping around and uh, causing trouble. So a guy came and he shoved the donkey overboard. He shoved his friend's donkey overboard. So they went to Rabbah Patre. Rabbah said he doesn't have to pay for the donkey. Who isn't he saving himself with someone else's money? The donkey was a rodef because uh, you know he was he was going to cause the whole boat to sink. So that's not considered to be a case of matzalatzmo. This is Rabbi Lashitaso, because there are three halachos about a rodef that Rabbi related to. Da'ama Rabbi. Rabbi said the following three halachos. Halacha number one. If Ruved is chasing after Shimon to kill him, and he breaks Kalim, meaning Ruved, the one who's chasing to kill, breaks Kalim, whether they're Shimon's Kalim, or whether they're anybody else's Kalim, Potter. Ruved is going to be Potter from paying for those because at that moment, Reuven was chayiv misa. Anyone else in the world would be allowed to kill Reuven. So since his dam is hefker at that moment, any monetary liability he incurs at that moment, there's no liability. He's not gonna. He's not going to have to pay. Second halacha: If you have a nirdaf that broke the kelim of the rodef, Shimon is running away from Reuven, and he breaks Reuven's kelim. Potter, because Ruvain's money shouldn't be more valuable than his life. If Shimon wanted to turn around and kill Ruvain, he'd be allowed to do that in that situation when Ruvain is threatening him. So to break his kalim, to get away from him, certainly that's okay. But if Shimon breaks anyone else's kalim, he's going to be chayev. Because one cannot save himself using someone else's money. And a third halach of Rodev. Rodev shay Rodev acha Rodev lahatzil. A Rodev was chasing after another road Dave to save so uh, Reuven was still chasing after Shimon but now Levi goes to chase after Reuven to kill Reuven and stop Reuven from killing Shimon and this Levi as he's trying to kill Reuven stop Reuven from killing Shimon breaks someone's Kalim whether it's Shimon's Kalim whether it's anybody's
inside his kalim, then uh, he's going to be potter. And that's not really minadin that he should be potter. It's just that if we were to not make such a rule, then no one would ever step up to try to save someone from uh, from a rodev. So the only way to encourage this kind of good behavior, to try to protect other people from a rodev, is to say that there's not going to be any liability. It's the good Samaritan law that you do, you do the right thing, and you're not going to be chayiv to pay for it. So tomorrow we'll pick up at the mission.